Shepard was asking for it for three. Well, he felt it, didn't he? He was begging. Oh, what a play by Matt Mitchell. To Watson, sees a lane, takes it underneath. Montana three. This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec Nation. What is up? This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. This is uh, Trone doing a solo show on what is for me a Wednesday night. Uh, if you don't already, please follow, subscribe, uh, five-star reviews, all the good stuff. If you can, if, if, the, if the spirit moves you, um, you can find the show on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google, on, on plenty of other platforms as well. If you prefer something else, uh, you can find myself on the Twitter, on the threads, on uh, the Instagram, all at Aztec Breakdown. You can find the other members of the show primarily on Twitter as well, but also occasionally on Instagram. You can find Austin at It's Austin Bolton. You can find Carly at Car Car McGee. You can find Jacob at Aztec Analytics. And Kyle is on a hiatus right now because his wife just had a baby, but you can still find him at call me Kinslow. He's still very active on Twitter. He's just, you know, understandably so on a break from the show. So, um, go out, find, find everyone, show them love and let's get into the, the show here. Uh, so the Aztecs just last night lost their road game to grand Canyon, uh, by a score of 79 to 73. It was a bit of an up and down game. The Aztecs held multiple leads throughout, but it very much seemed like Grand Canyon would go on a run and jump out to a lead. And the Aztecs and and primarily like the Aztec starters would fight and claw their way back and get, you know, a, a brief two or three point lead. Um, and then the leads would kind of trade back and forth for a little while, and then Grand Canyon would have another run, and the Aztecs would have to really fight and claw. And at the end, Grand Canyon was able to push that lead out and make it pretty insurmountable. Um, the Aztecs still pretty much fought until the end, uh, but just didn't have it. It is a quad one loss on the road at the moment. Grand Canyon moved up to... Uh, I think it was 45 or 46 in the net. Um, And for road games, if the opponent is top 75 in the net, it counts as a quad one game. So shouldn't hurt the resume too much. Even if they do drop to quad two, it shouldn't like, that's obviously not as good, but it shouldn't hurt the resume too much. Uh, I saw a lot of, of talk on Twitter about how like sure Grand Canyon's a quad one opponent right now, but if they lose a single game in their conference, which isn't very good, they're going to drop. Um, and that's just just not the case. If you go and look at the numbers from Selection Sunday on last year, you can look at at the uh, the net ratings, not ratings, rankings that different teams had. Um, and there were multiple teams that didn't even make the tournament, let alone the one that did, let alone the ones that did, uh, that had multiple bad losses, multiple quad three and quad four losses, uh, and very few quad one and quad two wins. Uh, I highlighted one earlier who 
finished 64th in the net. So you got a little buffer there between 64 and 75. And they had no quad one wins. They had two quad two wins. So they ended up being, the record was two and four in quads one and two. And they had four combined losses between quads three and four, two, two and quad three, two and quad four. So they had, they had two quad four losses and zero quad one wins and uh, still were ranked 64th in the net. Uh, so it is, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that Grand Canyon can finish in the top 75. It's not to say that they will. Uh, Grand Canyon right now has two quad one wins. One of those is against San Diego State, though, who is on the brink of of dropping just because they need to be top 30 because they were at, you know, in, in Grand Canyon's arena. So you have to be top 30 for that to count. Um, and their other one, I off the top of my head, I don't remember who it was, but they were also on the brink of falling out of quad one. So maybe they lose, but still, like even without a single quad one win and multiple bad losses, you can still potentially make the top 75. So there is there is a chance. And not only is there a chance, there's a realistic chance of that happening. So the summary for that is that the loss in and of itself isn't terrible. It's not in and of itself the end of the world. The Aztecs, based on what they've done so far, based on the wins and losses and who they've beaten and who they've lost to and stuff like that, they're still looking fine. Um, they're, they're, you know, it's not the best resume, but it's a good resume. And there is still plenty of time and plenty of opportunities to add some more good wins, uh, starting with UC Irvine this Saturday. That would be at the moment, it looks like a quad two win or game, not win quad two game at home. So hopefully the Aztecs can, can pull that one out, but also the mountain West is looking really good this year, really good. And so, uh, at least in terms of the net, there are just multiple teams in the top 75. So it means a lot of, a lot of quad one and quad two opportunities for the Aztecs. So that's the good news is right now, in terms of just the resume, things are looking solid. Things are looking, dare I say, even good. Uh, maybe not great, but definitely good. Now, there is a flip side to this coin because there are some things that we've seen just with our eyes, but you know, statistically, it wasn't a large enough sample to really start to worry about it yet. And now we're nine games in and it's starting to seem more solidified. And I do want to preface this by saying realistically, before you can truly start to trust really any of these types of stats, you probably need around 20 games for these things to really start kind of solidifying themselves. Um, and that's being kind of generous, honestly. Uh, 25 games is even a better a better sample. Um, so all this, it, it, it takes, you know, the, the statistics are still getting sorted out and all that stuff, but we've seen a lot of it. And I think if we combine what the numbers are saying along with what we're seeing, it does make a fuller, more clear picture. So let's, what I wanted to do was kind of highlight some of these things that are worrisome and kind of try and suss out how worrisome 
these things might be. So number one, I think the thing to start off with right off the bat, the, the one that seems the most obvious to me is Lamont Butler. Lamont Butler has not been good, I, I think, to say the least, um, which is a shame because I know we are all heavily, heavily pulling for him, right? He is the hero of the program, basically, after after hitting that shot in the Final Four last year. Uh, and obviously, none of us want any like we want nothing but the best for the guy uh and he's in he's in his fourth year right now he is in the last year of guys who get that fifth year of eligibility uh so in theory could he come back for a fifth year if he wanted to sure but it's it at least the beginning of the season it didn't seem realistic to expect that and i still kind of think it's not realistic to expect that he he definitely seems like a guy who is ready to go pro who wants to go pro who probably would have last year if somebody would have given him the chance. Uh, so there's, you know, there's that to consider, but he in a lot of ways hasn't looked that good this year. Uh, and it's, it, it really comes down to, to essentially one thing and that's his, his shooting and his scoring. Uh, so just for context, last year, which realistically last year wasn't exactly like the best uh, year from a scoring or, or scoring efficiency perspective either, uh, but it wasn't bad. It just wasn't wasn't great. But he had a true shooting percentage last year when, when playing Division One competition. His true shooting percentage was 50.9%. So basically 51%, right? Um, true shooting percentage combines all the shots you take as well as your free throws which is which is important for this context so breaking down his two pointers he shot 47 percent not great but not bad his three pointers he shot 33 percent right right around average right that's that's fine do you want better absolutely but that's fine his free throws 74 percent once again pretty average all things considered maybe a touch below average and for a point guard a little bit more below average maybe, but ultimately nothing to really complain about, right? Something you want it to be better, sure, but nothing to really complain about. This year, all these all these percentages are, are down and, and pretty considerably down. So his true shooting has dropped 10 points. It's now down to 40.9%, 41% essentially, right? Uh, so literally it, it dropped 10 points, which is huge in the sense of, of true shooting percentage. Uh, his, his two point shots dropped from 47 down to 39 rounding a little bit, uh, pretty significant drop and, and still a small sample size, but concerning, uh, his three points have dropped from 33 to 30, not a huge drop, but not what you want to see. And his free throws he's he's been taking more free throws than he did last year but his percentage has plummeted down from from 74 down to 38 percent and that is just so so bad uh and and just to highlight this the game against grand canyon 
Lamont Butler went 0-4 from the free throw line, which is so uncharacteristic of, of really pretty much any player who plays Division I basketball. Like anybody, even on an off night, like Micah Parrish had an off night and still went 1-4. of But to go 0-4 of is, is basically unheard of if you're a Division I basketball player. Uh, it's just, it's just bad. I'm, I'm, I'm at such a loss of, for words, just because like I said, we all, we all want what's best for the guy and just the efficiency has not been there in, in the scoring. Um, and to miss four, three throws, four free throws in a game that you lost by six points. You know, that's that's saying something. And it's it's maybe not realistic to expect him to have hit all four, right? I think expecting anybody to shoot a hundred percent of their on their free throws on any given night. Like, can it happen any given night? Absolutely. And we have Reese Waters over here who's shot a hundred percent on the season. <laughs> um but I don't like to, you know, compare it like if I'm gonna play this what if game, it's not good to say what if he had a hundred percent because it's not the most likely, but could he have gone three for four? Absolutely. And, and how might that have changed the game, right? Would that have would that have given the Aztecs a bigger lead and it gives them more confidence and they get to build some separation? Maybe, who knows, right? Maybe they still lose, also possible. It's, you know, you can never rule it out when you do these what-if games, but 0 for 4 on the season and, and 8 of 21 on the season. Sorry, 0 for 4 against Grand Canyon, 8 of 21 on the season. Um, it's just, it's bad and I don't know what it is. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder, is Lamont Butler hurt? And at this point, it, it honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if that came out either sometime soon or at some point at the end of the season, uh, that he was hurt coming into the year and it was just kept quiet. Um, because I mean, one, because of the results that we're seeing, and two, because the team has definitely done that before. We we learned after the tournament ended last year about how Micah Parrish was hurt for most of the tournament, and there was never like an official report on it. Um, there have been other times that I've heard from people talking about things that happened that weren't ever shared publicly. Uh, the big one was during during the the COVID year, the 2021 season, like like Matt Brad or not Matt Bradley, Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle's senior year, uh, there was a COVID outbreak on the team. Um and I, I don't know how big it was, but it was just it was around the team, basically. And it wasn't reported at the time. And I had heard about it and you could tell that like it was legit because at the time Mark Ziegler was writing something about it. And then later in the year he, he never said anything like directly, but he was like, and you know, the team hasn't had any issues with COVID since, you know, October or whatever it was. Um, and it was, it was right around that time, like right at the beginning of the season. And so he kind of like said it without like breaking it, you know, if that makes sense. So, um, they do keep these things under wraps sometimes. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder if, if Lamont is hurt, uh, something with a, with a wrist or an elbow or a shoulder, maybe. Um, because his defense has still been really good. It started to slip a little bit more recently. The Grand Canyon game wasn't his best game defensively, but even Lamont slipping is still a better defender than 
the majority of basketball players, I would say. Uh, so he's still been he's still been good defensively, um, but just the shooting the shooting efficiency has been has been problematic. Um, the only other thing I can think of is is something mentally that would really explain the free throws because free throws you know physically it's it's the same thing every time and so or at least you can make it that and so it's it's supposed to be easier to repeat and that's how your percentages can can potentially get that high and often what we see with players that don't shoot as well is something gets in their head and it, it's not even an all the time thing famously uh dwight howard who is currently playing i want to say in china but you know nba star for a long time his his teams would track him shooting free throws in practice because he was a really bad free throw shooter and they would track it and he would shoot in the 80 percent range during practice and then he would get into games and you'd be lucky if he shot 50 percent in the games because it's because it's a mental thing and it's so weird that lamont was a career 70 plus percent shooter from the line and this year he's shooting 38 percent and, and free throws don't have the same type of variation that three-point shots have, right? You can have a really bad stretch of games or a really good stretch of games from behind the arc, and it's just kind of the way it goes sometimes. But free throws are usually a lot more static. And so it's, I don't know. I, I don't know what's up with him. I don't think it's a pressure thing. I don't think it's like a, you know, he got so hyped up between between the tournament and then like NBA training camps and stuff. I, I don't think it's that, but it's it's hard to imagine what it might be. And it's just a bummer to see. And if Lamont Butler ever gets gets going offensively, whatever it is, if it's a physical thing, if it's a mental thing, uh, whatever it is, if it gets solved and he even just shoots – the same percentages from two point land and three point land. Like even if it's just the free throws that get solved, that's a couple extra points a game at the rate he's going right now. Um, and that would be better. That would make him a, a 10 point a game score, honestly. So um, hopefully, hopefully that can get solved. We all are all wishing the best for Lamont, obviously. And uh, ho- hopefully it, whatever it is get solved talking about free throws let's transition to to those a little bit because those have seemed to be a bit concerning uh when i look at the numbers it's maybe not quite as concerning as it would seem but coming off of grand canyon it definitely seemed like a problem the aztecs shot 15 of 24 from the line against grand canyon which is good for 62 and a half percent um, really the problem was mostly Lamont Butler. And then also, like I said earlier, Micah Parrish had an off night. They were one of eight between those two. Everybody else was, was pretty good. It was a combined, I'm trying to do the math here in my head real quick. 14 of, of 18. No, that's not right. 14 of 16 between everybody else. And that was just Jaden Ledee missed two of his six, which is fine for for a big guy and and you know that is what it is reese waters went six of six darian Tramel went four of four uh it was just butler and parish and parish was you know his i thought seemed pretty uncharacteristic for him and uh he's shooting his actually i'm just now noticing his free throws have been bad too he's shooting 59 percent. so something else to look out for um 
in short, the free throws against Grand Canyon didn't seem great. I feel like the free throws have been streaky from game to game. As a team, the Aztecs are shooting 72% from the free throw line. Average is 70.7. So technically, the Aztecs are a slightly better than average team from the line. So how much of a problem it is, I think, varies. And I think it's also going to vary on who's taking those shots, right? If Sorry about that. If Lamont Butler gets... 10 free throws a game and is shooting 38%, that's going to be problematic. If Jaden Ledee is getting 10 free throws a game, as we've seen him do, he's shooting 75% on the season. So that's not as bad. Um, Reese Waters gets 10 a game. That's fantastic, right? So that's going to be some of it as well. But ultimately, I think for the most part, I'm not worried about the free throws. I don't think, I think if you look at the Grand Canyon game, missing the free throws was definitely a part of it. But even if they had shot 80% from the line, uh, if everything else is the same, they still lose, right? Like ultimately jumping up from 63 to 80% seems like a lot, but over the course of a game of, of a single game, it's not that much usually. Um, so it's definitely a part of it and, and not everything would have been the same. Absolutely. Um, but I didn't think it was the biggest issue in the Grand Canyon game. And I don't think, you know, by extension, I don't think it's been the biggest issue on the season. That does bring us to our next thing though, which is rebounding and specifically, defensive rebounding uh when you look at the numbers the offensive rebounding the aztecs are actually a little bit above average if you if you do it by percentage like how many of these chances did you capitalize on the aztecs are gathering 31 percent of their offensive rebound opportunities average is 29.6 percent so they're a little bit above average there uh and if you want to call that average that's fine but that means like if it's average it's probably not the biggest problem uh, that being said, their defensive rebounding has been worse and they are, they are, this is a little funny after what I just said, but they are right at 29.6% defensive rebounding. Uh, so that's smack dab average. Um, and I did just say, it's like probably not the biggest thing, but this is the aspect of their defense that is the worst relative to average so like their defensive like stopping uh like like forcing misses is better than average right forcing turnovers is better than average sending the opponent to the line they do that less than an average team does so like those are all good aspects of the defense the giving up offensive rebounds has been a problem and it also can kind of fluctuate a little bit depending on on a number of different factors and some of those factors are one of the things that I want to get into here. So the the number one thing that comes up when you hear that a team has trouble rebounding is that maybe they are not big enough, right? And that's something that I think a lot of us have heard and a lot of us have even have even thought along along the course of the season. Uh, and there there may be some truth to that, but I do, I did want to, there are numbers for this too. 
And so I want to I want to share these, and it's it doesn't have to be definitive, but it's important to have evidence to to support your beliefs. And so, starting out with last year, last year, if if you look at Ken Palm, they measure height in a couple of different ways. They measure the team's average height, which is just the average heights of everybody on the team who plays that's a key thing right if there's if there's like a seven five guy who never sees any minutes it doesn't it doesn't get added in measures it averages the height of everybody who plays and it weights that average uh by how often they play right and so so once again if you have a seven five guy who comes on and plays like four minutes of game it's not going to raise that average that much because it's going to be weighted so minimally um so that's one way they do it last year the aztecs ranked actually 242nd in terms of average height and i think if you think about it that kind of makes sense right nathan mensa was a pretty average size center in terms of his height he did have his length um which helped it right that made it a little more more functional uh but he was pretty average in, in terms of, of height for a center. Uh, Keisha Johnson at 6'7", once again, pretty average. Uh, Matt Bradley was 6'4", probably a little bit below average for a small forward. Lamont Butler at 6'2", probably a little below average for a shooting guard. And Darian Trammell at 5'10", probably a little below average for a point guard. So across the board, they were average or below average at every position. So it makes sense that they would rank 242nd out of 300 something teams, right? That's definitely, that's a below average ranking. If you compare that to this year's team, the Aztecs currently, and this will change throughout the year because it's weighted by, you know, minutes. So this will change throughout the year, but the Aztecs currently rank 84th in the nation. So they're pretty well above average right now, actually. And once again, I think if you if you think about it position by position, that kind of makes sense. Jaden Ladee a little short for a center. Sure, he's one inch shorter than than Nathan Mensa was. So sure, we'll say that's a little bit undersized. Uh, who's next? Elijah Saunders. He's an inch taller than Keisha Johnson was. So if Keisha Johnson was average, Elijah Saunders is a little bit taller, right? Uh, Micah Parrish has been starting at the small forward. He's two inches taller than Matt Bradley. He's probably above average or at least average if, if Matt Bradley was below average, right? Uh, Reese Waters at 6'5", that's three inches taller than Lamont Butler playing the shooting guard position. So that's going to be above average. And Lamont Butler at 6'2", playing the point guard, probably pretty average, maybe a little bit above, maybe a little bit below. I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, just looking at the starting lineups at, at the very least that, you know, there's more above average uh, position by position this year. And that doesn't count the bench guys like Miles Heidi is 6'10". So that would have been average just like Mensa. Jay Powell is 6'9", playing a combination of like the three and the four. That's going to be pretty well above average at that point. Uh, Miles Bird is 6'7". If, if Micah Parrish is above average... Or, or even if he's only average, then Miles Bird being 6'7 is going to be above average, right? So once again, team-wide, there's actually more height this year. So that's something to note. The other way Kenpom measures it is effective height. I don't know why I just said it weird. I apologize. But effective height, right? Um, the thought process for that being 
you know, if you have like a really tall point guard, like a really above average height point guard, that might not actually help you in the ways that you would expect height to help you. So for the effective height, it's measured a little bit differently and it basically just looks at your center and your power forward, right? Your bigs. Because when people talk about height, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the guys that can rebound and protect the rim and do those types of things. So that's what's measured in the effective height. Last year, the Aztecs ranked 152nd in effective height. So right about average, just a touch above average maybe. On last year's team that went to the final four and, and didn't really have any of these rebounding problems. This year, the Aztecs ranked 94th. So once again, better this year than it was last year. Just in terms of of the raw measurements. And like I said, there are other factors that go into that. Length is one of them, although I do think this team is plenty, plenty long. Um, although the minutes distribution might affect that some. Uh, but ultimately, like if you care about the numbers at all, you can't simply say they're too small to rebound effectively. I don't think, I don't think that's the reason. Could it to a certain extent be a contributing factor? Maybe, sure. Uh, but I don't think, I definitely don't think it's the only reason. And I'm not even sure I think it's the primary reason. And there's a couple things that I, I want to highlight here. Um, first off, one thing that I've been meaning to do, and I've just been behind on my game preview, so I haven't been able to do it yet. But one thing I've been meaning to do is track the habits of the players in terms of rebounding. And what I mean by that is like how focused they are on boxing out their assignment and succeeding in that. Because if you track that, if you, if you like highlight these specific points, like every time a shot goes up, I want you to do these things and start tracking that and posting it for players to see. I've seen this work. They start caring about it more and they start doing it more and rebounding issues get solved relatively quickly. Um, it might not make you the best rebounding team ever, but it'll make you better than you were before. So that's something I want to look at. I haven't been able to do that yet, but hopefully I can get to it soon. There's a bit of a break coming up in game. So keep your eye out for that. The other thing I want to point out is something that I think we have seen to a greater extent. And I haven't been able to track the specific numbers on it, but if you go back and rewatch any game or looking at games in the future, I guarantee you'll see it a couple times. And what that is, is opponents, especially on dribble drives, but it can happen other times as well, but they will come off a screen and start driving into the paint. And the perimeter player is on the side, they're on the hip, on the back, wherever they are. And uh, the defensive big usually Jaden Ladee, but oftentimes, you know, could be Heidi or Johnson, if he's healthier pal or whoever, they need to step up to help stop that drive. When they step up, they are leaving their man. And this is a little hard to explain over audio, but just try and keep your eye out for it. They're leaving their man, this guard or winger, whoever takes the shot and the shot misses because the big stepped up and did their job. They contested the shot. So the shot misses, but now because the big had to jump up to contest that shot, they're still like coming down. They have to get back to try and get the rebound. And in the meantime, the offensive big has boxed out the defensive big, usually Jaden Ladee. Um, 
and they're in just a great position for that offensive rebound. And a lot of times it kind of falls right to them or it'll, you know, maybe pop up a little bit, but they're just in a better spot because the defensive big had to step out of their, their better position. I think that is something that's happening quite a bit. And I think it's going to be something to watch out for with UC Irvine because they are pretty, pretty good at that. Um, and that's, that's, I'll be having my UC Irvine preview out hopefully by, hopefully by tomorrow for those of you that are listening, if it's not out yet, uh, Friday is when I'm hoping to have it done, but don't hold me to it. But that's just something to look out for. So keep an eye out for that. When the opponents drive, what does the Aztecs defensive big do? And a lot of times you will see them step up to contest a shot and the contest works. And then the offensive player is able to get the, the rebound because the defensive player had to get out of position to help to help out. Um, so that's something to look at as well, right? I don't think it's it's just the height. Uh, the numbers we have say, or don't say, but suggest that to say it's it's just a matter of the team being too short or Ladie should be a power forward. Um, they suggest that that's at at best a little too simplistic of a take, right? A little, little, just lacking a little bit of nuance and at worst completely false. Um, probably more the first one, probably just lacking a little bit of nuance. With that, I think that about does it. Keep your eye out for that UC Irvine preview. Like I said, I know this was a little bit shorter and I was a little bit scatterbrained. I apologize. Uh, I'm trying to get back into the rhythm of, of doing this more often, but I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, Make sure to, like I said earlier, like, follow, subscribe, five-star reviews, all the good stuff. Um, I, I can speak for everybody when I say we love engaging with the fans on whatever social media you're on. So please do reach out. Let us know your thoughts, whether it's about the pod, whether it's about the team, whatever it might be. Um, and go Aztecs. On the floor, it's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up. Now we have tasted it, we're coming back. We're coming back.